0: Welcome to the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of Brian, your host, and his guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested. So please, consume at your own risk. Now, here's Brian. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome back to the program. It's been a minute since our last episode, so welcome back. I appreciate you tuning in. My guest today is Adam Coleman, writer, sensible thinker, and author of the ever popular book, Black Victim to Black Victor Identifying the Ideologies, Behavioral Patterns, and Culture Norms that Encourage a Victimhood Complex. This is his second appearance on the show. This time, it is to discuss his recent video post titled, Why Joe Biden Felt Comfortable Saying, You Ain't Black. This was a comment he made while being interviewed on the Breakfast Club podcast with Charlemagne the God close to three years ago. Adam and I discussed the why behind Biden's comfort in spewing such a racist statement and the double standard in our political climate. Man, Adam, thank you so much for coming back. It is so good to have you on again. And congratulations on all the success you've had since we last chatted about your book. Gosh, it's been at least, what, six, seven, eight months, I think?
1: That's Yeah. At least that.
0: And you've just blown up. And like I say, I I know I joked about you becoming someone's vice presidential candidate, but somebody's probably going (laughs) to tap you on the shoulder. Well, I don't know. You have a lot of common sense, so you probably wouldn't fit in the uh, political world. (laughs) well in government i would say in government yes in government exactly (laughs) Exactly. because it's like if it makes sense god forbid they're not going to do it but yeah but anyway i I i've i'm having you back here because of a post you did several weeks ago or gosh how long has it been a couple months maybe even that you did that one Uh about biden's stupid comment (laughs) which one no there's the comment about you know if you don't vote for me you ain't black and you're posting about that so i I want to him into that because that is such a racist statement and like you say in your in your in your post which i'll 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 link to he can get away with it Mm -hmm. if you and i said something like that would be toast because we might be have some conservative leanings we'd be destroyed right so so tell me what your because because I when I when I first heard that three is three years ago he said that
1: yeah yeah what it was about three years
0: are you kidding me that is uh it just yeah they're not even hiding it anymore so yeah tell me your thoughts on on what your 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 thought process behind that
1: yeah it was it was um I think for most people it was about what he said and I want to examine why he felt comfortable saying it, especially like if you were to think like in a post-George Floyd world, you know, that that statement um, where everything that could be ambiguous becomes like highly racially motivated and comes from a sense of being negative. How come he felt comfortable saying that? And, how, and on top of that, how come he got away with it? People ask how come he got away with it, but I wanted to know why he felt comfortable saying it. Um, and the reason I believe he felt comfortable saying it is because black people sometimes do it to each other. And we, we kind of place each other in a box as far as what that particular person um, who is trying to gatekeep behavior thinks is appropriate for everybody. So it, it just becomes this like highly arbitrary, ambiguous view of like, what is acceptable what is black? Are we allowed to do this? Are we allowed to do that? And then it comes down to who do we vote for? and and even that part gets linked into uh, your voting behavior is black. Now, obviously not every black person does this, but I think it exists to a significant degree where um, where it it's not abnormal. and and I say that because Charlemagne, as well as the other people who are on the show are black and no one found a problem with what he said. It didn't, it didn't make the, uh, the record go. Err! Yeah. <laughs> so hold on a second. What did you just say? Like, there are plenty of things people say that makes us stop stopping our tracks and want to go back to that very thing. I don't know that the vice president, former vice president, soon to be president actually said, I want to know exactly what you just said just there. What do you mean by that? And no one did that. And it's because they're okay with it. They're, that fits within their prescribed bubble. That fits in their prescribed way of what is acceptable to be Black. And I, I just wanted to to kind of challenge that a little bit.
0: Do you think every demographic group has these kind of thought processes? Or do you think it's just isolated to the... The black, you know, I put in quotes, the community. I don't even know what that means anymore. Any community. <laughs> I'm I'm part of the Mormon community. I don't know what that means.
1: Right. Um, no, I think it's part of human nature to have uh, some sort of tribalistic sense of a group of people. So like conservatives kind of do it too, right? As soon as someone who is conservative does something that they don't like or they think is not conservative, they all of a sudden become a rhino right so yeah people do that um all over the place i think the difference the difference is that you can choose to be conservative or liberal you can't choose to be black or not right and and it's like well this is who i am how come i'm not allowed to express who i am simply because of the way i that i look or my my heritage that's something i have no control over right um and and why why is it acceptable for you to tell me how to appropriately be something? Why is that okay? You know, there are different political philosophies. So that's why I kind of sort of use conservative as an example. But like there are there are general theories about conservatism, there are general theories about libertarianism, liberalism, and there are certain confines that you can make arguments about what it means to be these particular things. But when it comes to being black, that's not necessarily supposed to be a an ideology. It's just supposed to be like if you said you're Italian. Well, not every Italian speaks Italian. Does that not make them Italian? No, nobody that'd be ridiculous. Right? No one would actually say that. But it, you know, our identity has become politicized. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, it's become politicized. And so that has been something that we are constantly measured by in group and out group and the out group finds it perfectly acceptable to do certain things because some people especially influential people within the in group have given the allowance that you can do these things
0: yeah and who gives them the authority you know where do they get that from is it self appointed or is it just slowly the frog you know frog boiling metaphor where we've just it slowly is- been told how to think what to think
1: so it is um it is most definitely self-appointed. It is coming from often, and this is where the class part comes in. It is most often people of the most influential positions. It is often people who make a lot of money, celebrities, athletes, athletes slash celebrities, because it's almost one in the same. Yeah. Um you have certain politicians, right? Who get into these into this arena of getting into black politics, of determining, like, I, I, just to give you an example, in New Jersey, uh, years ago, so this was when Cory Booker was running to become mayor, I believe the first time. And, I, and there was a, a TV show slash documentary that was following that, that mayoral race, right? And I kind of had Cory Booker as like, as the outsider kind of good guy that they were following. And the current mayor, Sharp James, Um, who who was like a longtime mayor, was fighting for that position again. And Sharp James, in one of his speeches in a Black community, was saying, I'm a real Black man, unlike Corey, right? Why, Why was he able to say that? Because that is something that is injected into politics, that that's part of Black politics, where you're allowed to say these things to see who is more authentic than someone else. So, Cory Booker, in many cases, is seen as less authentic because maybe for some people, because he has a lighter skin tone. Maybe for some people, it's because he didn't grow up in the hood, maybe like Sharp James did. I don't know if he did, but that's kind of what he was insinuating. Um, you know, you have all these things. Cory Booker's family was of professional people, right? And so, being authentic means being poor and impoverished and coming from the hood. You know, so you have all these different things that, that, um, you see happen within politics. And amongst other Black politicians, they weaponize race. But ultimately, when they weaponize, weaponize race, they're just trying to leverage more power. That's usually what it comes down to. The more they leverage it, the more the power they seek, the more influence they want, the more money they make. Um, so there's definitely, definitely like a power slash class influence when it comes to doing stuff like this.
0: I think classism is probably the worst ism on the planet honestly mm. just the, the who the haves and the have-nots and and i see that more than than the race issues
1: i think that's the overlapping part yeah it's because and and that's where like that's where race makes no sense to me right so when you when you learn that there are certain people who say um i'm oppressed they're like okay Like you're a regular person you hear a black person say i'm oppressed but then you see that they drive a much better car than you they live in a nicer neighborhood than you they live in this damn near mansion or maybe a mansion they live a life of luxury have private planes and you're like how are you oppressed in which way because for regular people who don't have access to everything There is a financial element that is highly important to us that keeps us from actually doing things. So when someone says, I am oppressed, as they live in luxury, that makes no sense to us. But yet they get to wear the oppression label simply because of the way they look. And that was purely by chance that they were born that way. So they get to use race as a cover for their wealth. They get to pretend that even though I have this luxury, I'm actually oppressed and things are terrible for me. (laughs) And no one believes that. I'm (laughs) sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Let's define what oppression really means.
1: Right. And and listen, money doesn't money doesn't solve everything. Like there are people who are rich who kill themselves. Like, so it doesn't solve everything. And it doesn't mean that your life doesn't have hurdles. You know, there's the song more money, more problems. So all those things are real. However, Money solves a lot of problems.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's like I, you know, l- please let me have some zeros on the end of my problems.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Um so it's it's just these these particular people get to use race. Why? So they can feel authentic so people don't focus on how much money that they make. Right, they want us to pretend that as they ride around the private airplanes or like LeBron James. LeBron James has the the power To command the media to hear what he has to say and with that power he was able to say that he doesn't know if a cop is going to wake up on the other side of the bed and want to kill a black person while at the same time being personally escorted by police around the country into arenas and living in the most secure upper-class neighborhood in the country
0: (laughs) yeah the hypocrisy is unreal
1: right and so either LeBron James is not that bright or he thinks we're not that bright.
0: Could be a combination of both. And I, you know, do you remember there was a, a book called Shut Up and Sing? I think it was by Laura Ingram, but I think it was based on a Barbara Streisand concert years ago. Mm-hmm. Apparently she was spousing off her political views and someone from the audience just said, shut up and sing. We paid you because you're a phenomenal talent. You sing, just sing. I don't care about your politics. Just sing. Right. What do you think? Lebron James, play ball. You're a phenomenal ball player. That's a given. Just do that. Because the things he spouted off in the media have been damaging, in my opinion, on some of the things he just—they're just ignorant. But he think you know they've got the platform, so use the platform. But you know, I think you ought to do. I think you have a responsibility if you have a platform that big to do more research.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that's part of the problem with social media is it puts pressure also, and I, not necessarily LeBron James, but I think other people who aren't um, so out there like LeBron James is, but it puts pressure on them to say something about things that they don't need to say something about, right? Especially if they are black. So if something ambiguous happens, they're supposed to say, you know, uh, rest in peace to the family of blah blah blah. Like you don't know who these people are. Like you don't have to say anything. Yeah, You really don't. You could feel that way if you want, but you don't have to say something. You don't have to put yourself out there for every little social cause that you think is going on. Um, but I think there are people who feel the pressure to do this. They all have these um, uh, we're, we're the publicists. They all have publicists who take control of the Twitter accounts and tell them how to curate so that you don't want to be the only one that's not saying something about this tragic event that just happened. Like, I think that is much of a problem that everyone feels compelled to say something whereas the majority of people could give two shits if they say something <laughs> i
0: know just because we have a platform yeah we have a megaphone so we have to shout it up you know it, it seems we're getting more and more away from content of character yeah we talk about it all the time but it just seems like we cannot seem to get and it, maybe the majority of americans have it and they got it figured out and they're not spouting and spewing their ideas like like you and i are sometimes but that's just to me that's the baseline it don't matter all this other crap doesn't matter it's like you know your your content content of that character is paramount to me and we've forgotten that i think on so many levels you know
1: well case in point in this this conversation we're having <laughs> well i think um i think it is part of the deception to make us believe that we are becoming something um, other than what we were before, you know, cause I, I to be honest with you, majority of my life, um, I've felt like people treated me fairly, you know, regardless of what they look like. Um, I know a lot of people live in one area their entire lives, but I've lived in five states and I've lived in various areas. Um, and I've been around a lot of white people, you know, and it, that's just what it was. I went to school with these people. I went to, I have friends who are white. I've also had friends who are black. I've, all different types of people I've been friends with. And the vast majority of people treated me kindly. They treated me with respect. There are jerks of every race and I've dealt with them. And that's what life is. You know, they're, for whatever reason, some people are nasty, but they want us to believe that um, you are inherently bad or that you were raised in a society that looks down on you. When I never felt like these people were looking down on me. Yeah. Right. What I do feel like is the very people who are espousing that actually do look down on me because they say it. So at least if the if those people were looking down on me, they never told me. <laughs> at least let me let me live in ignorance that you're looking down on me. These people actually say things that sounds like you're looking down on me. They, they're they're very vocal about these things that someone else needs to do for me simply because of the way I look. Someone else needs to carve a pathway for this black boy so he can succeed in the world. It's like, no, no one has ever espoused that to me. Right. Now, so if someone actually felt that way and they were doing it and weren't saying it publicly, then that tells me there was m- more about our society that we were living in that would say, this is how I feel, but I would never say it publicly because it's unacceptable. But what's happening is that these very people who, once again, tend to be upper class, uh, upper middle class and upper class tend to be people who are very prominent positions, who are repeating these narratives over and over and over, who are going to the top universities in this country, liberal arts universities in this country, going into our schools, implementing things, getting into government. they're, They're taking positions of influence, but they are the extreme minority in this country and they are destroying it simply because they're in the right positions to do so. And they're the ones who are projecting this narrative. And it seems idiotic. And I think more and more people are realizing that the George Floyd effect is wearing off, right? The the panic attack and the, the malaise of like, oh my God, I don't know what to do now. All that stuff what, is starting to wear off. What
0: Explain the George Floyd effect as you, as you mentioned. What is that
1: actually? So the George Floyd effect, uh, as a Black person, it became the rally cry to say George Floyd is not an anomaly. It actually happens all the time, right? It oh. becomes a weapon to, to cause panic for Black people. It also, at the same time, becomes a weapon to bludgeon white people with, to say George Floyd happens all the time and you didn't notice because uh, you have been blind, right? You've been blind by a white supremacist society that makes you, be, makes you blind to strife
0: you know, uh, of black people. So your privileged position, you would never notice such things. Exactly,
1: exactly, right? Simply off of the base of race. Um, But that effect is wearing off because they went too strong, right? Just like I've been talking about DEI. DEI is starting to become less popular in corporations. Why? Because that was part of the George Floyd effect. They were just reacting to to the quote unquote social movement that was happening. And they started employing all these DEI professionals I I say that very loosely, Uh, (laughs) but they started employing all these people because they felt like they had to do something. Right. And that, that was the narrative, do something, you have to do something right to be a good anti-racist doing nothing means that you're being complicit in a, in a white supremacist society. So you actually have to be active in doing something. So here they are doing something right. Employing all these people, but at the end of the day, all they do is siphon money. There's no show of, how beneficial is this,
0: you know, and, and forcing people to think in a way that they probably wouldn't otherwise think
1: so in in some, in some instances. Um, uh, I would say consulting companies have have stated that they found that it has contributed to a more negative environment, rather than the positive environment that they were promised. But just even even outside of like the very obvious thing, like hello, if you hire people to find race, they're going to find race. Like if you find racism, they're going to find racism. They're going and to manufacture their it. existence. They're going to justify their existence. But outside of that, how do you measure DEI? How do you measure anti-racism? Like in a corporate environment that has spreadsheets that wants to know what's the cost benefit uh, cost benefit analysis of hiring these people of having this. Uh, institution of having a DEI officer, a diversity officer, what's the cost benefit analysis of paying this person $200,000 a year? Can someone explain that to me? And at, at some point, when all the social movement stuff dies down, all the panic dies down, and everybody starts looking around, like, we overextended ourselves, and they start letting these people go. I think that is symbolic of what a lot of people are feeling. They're tired of feeling like every little thing that I do is racist. They're tired of feeling like that because they're starting to realize, actually, no, like these people are actually crazy. The people who've been pointing their finger at me are crazy and ideological. And I haven't been the racist person. Actually, they've been the racist people the entire time. Um, so I think more and more people are realizing that this is all BS and and there's less of a panic um, when it comes to this type of stuff and reacting to it, um, which is a good and bad thing. Because being called a racist was supposed to be something that was a big deal. But now it's like, oh, everybody's a racist. It doesn't mean anything which, It because doesn't mean anything. So
0: often it's it's watered down the actual definition, which is a evil, evil
1: position to hold. But now
0: it's just like. Mm.
1: Yeah. And when you water something down, when real racism happens, it makes it sound like the boy that cried wolf. That's yeah. the
0: unfortunate part. Because it's. Yeah. Yeah. And people are just numb to it yeah like you said uh, i don't know it's uh i think as long as you know the we're able to just continue to talk to each other and based on character not anything else you know we'll be right. okay but like you say the the, the powers that be they the days of the world <laughs> you know keeping us fighting amongst each other they win over, you know, fighting over stupid things. I mean, I see it out here, extremely conservative, Utah, where I live. It's amazing. Some of the things that I hear and I used to be in that camp 100% and I kind of come towards the center and now I'm like, wow, I, I sounded like that for 20 years Mm. and it's, it solved nothing, solved nothing. No conversations were had. I didn't learn anything. No one else or anything. No one's opinions are changed. You know? Do you mind giving me an example? Um, I would have conversations with people online and very articulate people on the left. And I would just get so angst and, and butthurt about what they were saying because I knew I, I didn't have the ability to like fight back. And... So I would just I would just not talk to these. I would just either unfriend them or not talk to them, or they would unfriend me. And I was still frustrated. Nothing was gained. And when I decided to start, when I realized maybe my side doesn't have all the answers, maybe there's truth in what these people are saying, and just listening to them mm-hmm. for the sake of understanding, not for the, you know, oh, I'm going to have this conversation because I want to go in there. I don't want to pound them. I don't want to win. That was my perspective because that's all I was fed my whole life was that thinking. So I figured that was the only way. And these other ways were evil. And I had to be the, the watchman on the tower to protect my family from all this evil influence from the left. And I started talking to people. I'm like, no, they're not really that evil. They, I, the ideas may be different and I may not agree with them, but they're just people having experiences in life that have led them to their positions the same way I was led to mine. It was just right. from a different camp. You know, is that, does that, did I answer your question?
1: No, no, I completely understand. Actually, that makes me think about how the need to win has poisoned politics. Um, it has shut down all discussion, shuts down nuance. Um, like people who are like, let's have a debate. No, debates are worthless. Conversations are everything. Yeah. Right. Because debates are about winning. Right and and sometimes people confuse the definitions but debates are purely about winning like when when you have a debate team it's about who won right yeah. because if that person stumbles it's not about if that person was right or wrong it's if if the other person says something that is completely false but they says it confidently sharply and with wit and that other person can't refute what, refu- what they're saying and they stumble and what they're saying then they look like they lost yeah you know because the but performance it's about winning. wasn't there the performance wasn't there, yeah. right but what, what we're talking about is growth. We're talking about conversations. we're talking about um listening to people and trying to understand their perspective rather than saying, oh this person is it, is it this? I'm not listening to them anymore. Yeah. you oh you what are you a Trump supporter? Oh you one of those Trump supporters I, I can't I can't take you seriously anymore yeah um and and listen. I'm not perfect. I try to fight that as much as possible. Um, it's really hard to with progressives because it's so ideological. And it's it's void of saying something that I know is going to be different than what other people are saying. It's very, very hard to hear what they're saying because they're not saying what they actually think.
0: They're saying what's right? parroted to them.
1: They're saying what's parroted to them. And, and a lot of people do this, right? But what I'm saying for them is it is like pseudo-religious the way they say it. Um, and it's hard to have any discussion with anybody who has a pseudo-religious political viewpoint on stuff. You can have conversations with anybody who doesn't, though. So, for example, I, I, went, I recently went to a dinner party with someone who is part of a uh, an LGBT advocacy group. Right. And I didn't know this at first. I was just sitting down with the guy. And there are things that we agreed on. And and I'm like, I actually kind of like this person. Right. The person doesn't look like me. He's actually gay, right? But there are things I actually, I like what he had to say, even for someone of his perspective. And I don't even think he was a progressive, right? Um, matter of fact, he was Jewish. And I, so like there, I, I think he might've been orthodox is the reason, that's why I'm bringing that up, but um, it's to some degree. So he might have a wide varying viewpoints and I find that interesting, right? And some content of the of arguments. Yeah, content it's and good. character. Yeah. And and there, it's that part that I think we're missing, and it's it's one of those things that I'm trying my best to do as someone who is who is put on the political right, um, and maybe I am more right leaning. I've I have no idea anymore, but <laughs> but as, as someone who's, who's was, telling you who tell right. who's telling you right, right how to exactly. how to think. So I I was because we're at a dinner party and we're all kind of talking. And he's talking to someone who is more conservative than I am. Um, and I'm listening to his arguments. And I'm like, I understand where he's coming from on that. Like, not 100% that I agree, but I get it. Like, to me, that makes more sense than what I thought before, that someone would even say that. Like, I get it. And, and I think that that's something that's being lost it's not necessarily that I think that he's right, but I think it's more about understanding people and where they're coming from. Um, Because there's a little bit of truth in in our perspectives, right? Uh, I see certain things in a particular way and maybe certain things that I see um, accidentally overlooks certain things as well, right? So like we talk about race. Some people might say like, well, you're overlooking these historical things that happen and that, you know, okay, maybe, maybe in some circumstances, but maybe I'm, I'm overlooking it because I think they're, they're minimal to what's happening to today. Could I be wrong? I don't know. Could this person be right? I don't know, but that's what I think. This is my perspective, but I think it's important to understand that not everybody who disagrees with you is malicious.
0: Oh yeah. Have you heard of the Hanlon's razor? I think it's what it's called. Uh, don't I've
1: heard it, it was at Occam's, but
0: yeah. Something like where uh, whoever it yeah. came from, it's still valid. It says, you know, don't assume malice where it could just be ignorance. Right. They, they're not trying to be an asshole. They just have their experiences have, they only have part of the information. Same like you and I, we only have a piece of the information. They're not right. trying to do that, but we get into these social media circles, these, these conversations. They're not, they're not even conversations, these battles. And you just think they're being a dumbass, and you want to destroy them instead of like, no. I had a discussion with my cousin who who is very liberal when Roe v. Wade was overturned, and she was crushed. And I, I was sort of just like, oh, okay, that that sounds like a good idea that it's overturned. But I had her on. I'm like, tell me why this is so hurtful to you. It was a phenomenal discussion. And a lot of her friends said that was really good. And i like, well, it's good because we both came together trying to understand each other, not trying to win, yeah. which we don't hey. do enough of. That's that's my, I've been beating that drum for years. Well, <laughs> since I came more towards the center when I was a screaming, I wouldn't say I was a right winger, but very conservative. That's all I consumed for 20 years was that yeah. from that trough. So when you, that's all you consume, that's what you're going to parrot.
1: Exactly. And, I, and I, I've I said this before because people know that I used to be a Democrat. One of the things about walking away, you know, walking away from the Democrat Party, it's not to walk away to go to the Republicans, right? Because that's what a lot of people do. It's walking away from the Democrats to think for yourself, right?
0: It's, <laughs> you can't do that. You, you're <laughs> going against what, you're, what the marching orders for your tribe are.
1: Right. Exactly. Like, for me... The reason I walked away from the Democrat party was because I found out more things about the Democrat party and what they stood for. And those things were enough for me to be like, you know what? I'm out, right? I'm out from loyalty. I'm, I'm out from all that stuff. I'm walking away. But it wasn't to say like, well, they're bad. And so these people are good. No, it's to say the standard that I'm holding for the Democrats is the same standard I'm holding for the Republicans, Right? It's to listen to my own personal um, wants and desires for what I think politics should look like and, and run and and who I choose to support based off of my my beliefs. like that's what I want to support, right And if neither party fulfills that, well then I guess I'm not supporting either party. Um, and the way things are going, I'm going to be an independent for quite a long time. Um, I will vote, seldomly and I will vote when I feel that it's necessary. But like, for example, I don't know if I'm gonna vote in 2024, right? Especially if the if the choice is between Trump and Biden, I don't know if I'm gonna vote. And it's not because it's something might like, oh, that's because you hate Trump. No, it's because they hate Trump. The things I like about Trump, but there are lots of things that I don't like about Trump. And what I don't like is that for one, I feel like he's disrespecting the 2024 campaign. He's not campaigning. (laughs) Like he's quite literally not campaigning. Same with Biden. Biden's not even trying. He's just being the president and he's not even trying to win anybody's vote. Right. So as of right now, he's the anti vote of whoever is on the Republican side. And Trump is winning handedly based on the polls. Um, We'll see uh, when Iowa's primary and how far of a lead he has but as of right now i feel like he's disrespecting the 2024 campaign when he announced what was his new thing right his new concept i'm going to execute drug dealers so you step away from politics for years to come back and run for office to become the most powerful person in the world to say that you're going to execute drug dealers that is your new broad idea i cannot co-sign that i cannot be a part of that because we have new issues other than what happened in 2016. He says, I will end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. How? Can you give us any clue? Like how exactly would you do that? Trust me, I'll just do it. Like it's things like this I cannot get behind. He has no, well, either no There's no nothing to get ideas. behind. There's it's nothing fluff. to get behind. It's absolute fluff. And the problem is that he is so popular and so liked that no one holds him accountable. And if you do hold him accountable, it's because you're a DeSantis bro. Or you're with the, and it's like, no, I'm a voter. Yeah, it's labeling, putting them
0: into that camp. Oh, you're one of those people. You know, they both, both these two think they have it in the bag. And both of them are the bottom of the freaking barrel, honestly, in terms of quality and content. I mean, out of 300 million people, this is all we have.
1: Yeah. And that's the other part. That's the other part. Like, I try to use numbers as often as I can. We have 330 million people. Um, I believe I'm trying to remember voting age. I think it's somewhere around like 200, something like that. It's around like 200 million people, oh, okay. I think, in the voting age. So let's say we have 200 million people. We have two choices, right? And if you choose one, that means that you just love this person, <laughs> you know. And it's like, no, that's not what happens. Sometimes people are just voting for the least shitty option. And it's been on for a long time. It's been happening for a long time. But it's even more so, I think that people ignore our politics is that there are a number of places where people just do not participate. Like I, I've, I've talked about this in a couple of articles. Everybody sees like uh, Chicago is a Democrat stronghold, right? And politically it is. But they think that everybody that lives there loves them some Democrats. So, but there's two problems. One, there are no Republicans that run in Chicago. So how do we mean test that? Yeah. We don't. And then, two, the last election for mayor had a 30% voter turnout. That doesn't sound like these people who are in love with Democrats. That sounds like people who are fatigued, people who don't even want to be part of the process. They're
0: like, oh, I got to go do this today.
1: And you know who will vote? The highly politically active. Those upper class elitists that we've been talking about, the progressives, could, because they've been trained to be good anti-racist to do something, right? So they're doing something, so they'll go out and vote, right? But the people who are fatigued, who are saying all these options suck and don't want to be part of the process, and we're void of a secondary option, other than, actually, their two options are a sort of progressive and a progressive. <laughs> right. Or actually a progressive and a communist. Like those are the two options that they're being faced with these days. And they don't want to be part of it. Right. And and, and I think people are ignoring that. I think much of our country is being void of having two competent parties that are fighting for their vote. Same thing in rural areas. Rural areas don't have Democrats knocking on their doors either. But at least on a numbers perspective, it makes more sense for Republicans to go into, I don't know, the most populated areas where there are the most people to try and get some of their vote. And they don't even do that. So I think I think people are losing, like, like we said, nuance, all of those little things that really matter. Like they they just completely ignore these things and they think that. Uh, The people who are voting for Democrats absolutely love Democrats, while at the same time acknowledging people like myself who walked away from Democrats. Why? Why did I walk away from Democrats? Like, they don't ask these questions. All they care about is that you did walk away. They don't listen to the walkaways. They don't listen to why we're leaving, what happened, right? They don't listen to the stories of people who say, um, I'm better with the devil that I know than the one that I don't, right? Okay, yes, the Democrats suck. But the Republicans are racist. They don't listen to those things. And, and I'm and I'm trying to I'm I feel like lately, this is why I need a vacation because I, I feel like I'm being grumpy, but like I feel like I'm trying to heed the warning for the regular, rational Republican that is out there that you have these are hurdles that you guys have to get over, and you have to stop repeating these bad narratives because it, it's not helping you whatsoever. I saw a
0: bumper sticker this morning that said, um, elect no one in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think I, I think, like it too. I think that's maybe if, if that would, that would be fascinating. This is a pipe dream and, you know, in La La Land, but what if nobody showed up to vote? I wonder what kind of message that would send. I and mean, people were just like, we're done with the games, that you, you people that, we've put into power yeah that would be fascinating that's a whole nother story <laughs> i guess but uh, anyway yeah. So, yeah i appreciate the the message that you are, are putting out there and i mean obviously you have such a much a big bigger platform than i but i it's it it's makes sense it's con you know the content of character if i was to put a label on it it'd be your stuff I'm not saying that trying to suck up because you're on my show right now, but it just makes sense. (laughs) And that's why I wanted you on again to talk about this, because I've been saying that for so long that people in power want us to fight. You want you and I fighting or, and they can do whatever they want because nobody's looking you know, at their hand, you know, the sleight of hand. Right. We just continue to talk to each other, understand each other. And I, again, I I feel like a broken record, but so be it. We, we just got to talk to each other and learn understand each other put the human back in the other side and i think we'll be in a lot healthier place for sure
1: i i absolutely agree i think we have to be a more humble society um agreed i I think there's a lot of ego when it comes to discussing things uh politically and socially Uh, i have my viewpoints but I'm more willing to listen to someone who is respectful, who, who disagrees with me. Um, I've gotten emails from people where it was supposed to be a hate mail and then it turned into a discussion and they say, you know, I respect you for for having a cordial conversation, right? I'm willing to do those things, but you know, if you give me positive energy back, I give it back to you. But I just don't see the willingness for that to happen. And I think even more so detrimental, we have an ecosystem that financially rewards people for not allowing that to happen, mm-hmm. right? For for giving shots, right? Owning the libs and, and, and tearing apart conservatives and all this other stuff. Like, we have an ecosystem that rewards bad behavior, right? Bad behavior wins. Matter of fact, we have an ecosystem that rewards people that lose elections, by the way. <laughs> like so but that's a whole other thing but um we have this toxic system that everybody thinks that the worst behavior that being a sociopath is good um that being narcissistic is beneficial that working with other people is weak right finding common ground is feeblistic like it, all this stuff all these things that generally in society that we were raised to be good and decent human beings in politics, you're rewarded to do the, do the complete opposite. Right. Yeah. And, and that's where I'm like, I feel like I am one of, and there, listen, there are a lot of good people who are within politics and commentary, and I know many of them and they're really good people. And those are the people I'm attracted to, but very often those people are not the loudest voices. They're not the most propped-up people. The propped-up people, many of them are often not those people. And, and they are the ones who want to get arrows shot at them, who want the controversy, who want to say the thing that they know will get misinterpreted by the other side so they can get, look, I'm being attacked, right? So they can get any more cost, subscribers. Right? A- any cost, any cost. They don't care. They the don't attention. care how it ruins their side. They don't care. And and they don't see see the damage that that happens as far as narrative. Like when I tell people, it doesn't help for you to say that a mugshot is somehow symbolically good to get more Black people to vote for, for Republicans. They don't see anything wrong with that because the pundit class grabbed it lifted it up and said, this sounds so ridiculous, I have to say it too, and laugh along with it. And as a rational human being, I don't even have to be black, not black people saw how like, you guys realize how insulting that sounds. That sounds terrible. They don't care. They, they wanna say it, why? Because it's shocking, right? Yep. They don't care if the left sees that and says, see guys, what have we been telling you this entire time? And then two weeks later they're saying, I can't stand it when Democrats say that all re- Republicans are racist. Well, it doesn't help you to say these things, right? But they don't care about that. For them, it's about getting getting the clout, getting propped up, and they don't care about the collateral damage, ultimately, uh, when it comes to good, rational, conservative Republicans, they, they do not care. And, I, and I'm trying to get people to kind of see that, like stop supporting these people, right? They have freedom of speech, They can say whatever they want, but stop supporting them, right? Because they're doing it because you reward them, right? And and as long as you reward them, they're going to keep doing it. And I just want people to start thinking for themselves. They want to support me. That's great. They want to support you. That's great. But think for themselves. Don't stop going for the shock factor. The shock factor is just that. It's shocking for a minute, but is it substantive? What does it provide you? Does it help you? Does it help your side? I'm not a Republican, but does it help Republicans? To have these people as the the forefront of what a Republican is, does it actually help you guys? And you have to really think about these things, about persuading people over to your side, which I think mostly has good ideas and good policy, but they have terrible, ter- terrible PR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Content of character again. You know, it, it's, and even, even presenting a good idea and then letting people choose it letting them buy yeah. it nobody wants to be sold something but just but you present a good idea people want to
1: buy it well that's all right so there, yeah, you know, obviously different types of persuasion what yeah. i'm mean, what i mean is that i can be persuaded with good information good rhetoric yeah. right you're not trying to sell me anything like if me and you were talking about a car and i told you like how awesome this car is well i don't work for a dealership but i just persuaded you to get that car right? Because you're like, man, I haven't heard any car that sounds this good, right? I don't get any commission from it, right? Or maybe I do, you just have no idea. But I I wasn't telling you now, now that you're going to buy, you're going to give me this, give me that. I persuaded you by presenting really good information, really good things about this cause, this this thing, right? And if it happens to benefit my side, then so be it. But I told you something that's truthful, that's honest, that's beneficial, that things that you didn't even know about, and, and I think that's what's happening. People are, are missing out on. If I think Republicans are all racist, if I think Republicans are these bigots and hateful, and then the left gets to point at the very prominent people that, are, that, that you think are, well, they're on my side, so I have to prop them up. They get to point at them, and that keeps you from understanding what they're actually talking about. That keeps these people from learning about that car like they don't get to learn about it. They don't get to understand these things. The vast majority of conservatives that I've met have been good, honest people who want very basic things. Just like many of the liberal people that I've met through my life have been good people who want basic things. There are, there are commonalities, but what I I, I just see the right getting in its own way from a public relations standpoint, that's all.
0: Agreed. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much, sir, for for uh, sharing your thoughts again and um, and I good luck with all the things you're doing and the and the the messages that you're spreading. It's sorely needed, and I appreciate knowing you. and uh, if I can ever help with anything, then you know please let me know. and you know it's a, it's a good co- you're a good cause. Thank you. So, so I appreciate that. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We know you have many podcast options and appreciate that you have chosen us. If you love what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. And don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. If you hate what you hear, only tell us. You're still here?
1: Click on the next episode for more from... The Parish the Thought Show